Hey there, C-Note here. I am wanting to talk a little bit about the transition that this podcast is going through and through I'm that I'm going through that largely surrounds this idea of emotional boundaries. Emotional boundaries being the uh, ability to recognize what's personal versus public, private versus uh, private intimacy versus what is open and accepting and all of that stuff. And I realized that for me, a big trigger that I had been experiencing was around a lot of uh, expressions of openness, like being very open in terms of uh, uh, sexually, um, being open about um everything that one person believes or like full, complete, unabashed transparency. And I was wondering why that was bothering me so much. And I went down this rabbit hole of exploring uh, what are called the gene keys. Gene keys is a system. It's, it's a little more esoteric. It's like human design. Um, esoteric at its sort of like foundational principles. But the idea is that it's a collection of teachings that I think are very valuable for anyone to go through and try to understand. And through that process, I uncovered this idea of emotional boundaries related to a lot of my history with, um, with emotional infidelity, physical infidelity, and um, crossing boundaries around things like limerence and crossing boundaries around uh, connecting with somebody on a way that was um, one could perceive as like being being treating people as equal when really it's like treating the entire world as intimate. And that's kind of what I did on this podcast is I, I shared a little bit too much. Uh, I think I've been way too open about what my experience has been and that there are conversations that are meant to be between my wife and I, for example. You know, I, I wrote about it in my book, Happy Chemicals, a Neurotic Memoir, about this moment where I shared something uh, sexual between my wife and I publicly on Facebook. Like there was a, a sex therapist or coach asking a question, and I was a bit too open, a bit too crude about something very specific between us. And that became a big point of contention between Molly and I. And I didn't understand at the time why I would apologize for that. For me, it just, it was just like a thing to be open. Like I've always been open. I've always been, it's like been a part of my sense of humor is to be kind of open and crude about, um, you know, certain topics and the ability to be uh, open is, is what I thought was maybe like a part of my charm. Um, but there's a certain, there's a difference between open and boundarylessness right there's a boundarylessness that doesn't protect our people doesn't protect ourselves doesn't protect our emotions uh, there's a certain degree of protection required to create intimacy i remember a friend of mine talking about this concept that you know you don't invite your the mailman into your bedroom unless you know unless you have uh, intentions but the idea being is that there are different sort of boundaries within your own home you know there's the outside there's the foyer there's the porch there's the the hallway there's like kind of different levels to access 
in terms of a physical space, right? You build a roof around your loved ones and you build a fence to, to, to create different levels of intimacy, right? You allow certain people in to certain levels or certain parts of your life. And I think at some point when we go through like postmodernism, for example, um, where there's this tendency to kind of create flatland, to look at everything and demolish hierarchies. The idea is to try to understand uh, why we've made things more or less important than others. And to go through that process is, is basically a, a reevaluation process. And, and if you're not there, that's fine. Don't worry about that. Um, but also we do that to just sort of reevaluate why we have valued more things than other things. And I think emotional boundaries is a way of, of reevaluating where we value certain intimacies and connections and relationships and topics relative to the varying people in our lives, right? And so emotional boundaries for me became an issue because I, I, I was not, basically I, I did not have examples of emotional boundaries growing up, which is not a blaming thing. It's just what happened. Uh, between the ages of seven and 14, we're usually developing our emotional intelligence or developing an emotional awareness. Like what is a, uh, the first seven years is, is like developing a physical separation. Like, Oh, you are you and I am me on a physical sense. And then eight to 14 is like, Oh, you have your emotions and I have my emotions. And it's particularly important to create that separation of understanding between, uh, the mother and child in particular. And, uh, understanding that there are different emotional experiences. Otherwise you get too attached to the parents' emotional experiences and you just sort of mimic them or overly attached to them. Or it's a situation where the parents are maybe not displaying emotions to each other. Maybe they're not displaying a certain level of um, care or not showing the difference between a private space and a public space. For example, as my kids get older, you know, uh, they are learning the difference between when they're allowed in our bedroom and when they are not, you know, learning that, that, uh, Molly and I's private space is for our intimate relationship. Now there are certain public displays of that relationship so that the kids can actually experience that we love each other and that we're caring and supporting and, and all of that. But also like the other aspects that are more intimate are indeed more intimate. And then kids, you know, um, going through middle school and, and late elementary school are starting to learn about these things, uh, starting to learn about what sex is or, have some sort of notion of it or have maybe come across things on YouTube about it. And, um, uh, my stepkids in particular are connected to the evangelical church. So they kind of not the kids, but like evangelical church at times can have a little bit of an obsession in an anti way around sexuality and uh, trying to enforce modesty and stuff like that. So I, I try to catch how much they become obsessed with it and trying to, uh, trying to wrangle that to create this distinction between like, no, we don't talk about that or uh, that's adult stuff. Don't worry about that. When you get older, you know, we can have more conversations about that or, 
or whatever, right? So it's not about repressing things. It's not about pushing it down and saying that's not allowed in like sort of a negative way, but it's like, you're not ready for that yet, right? That's a boundary. You're not ready for that is a boundary. Uh, Not being ready for a certain type of emotional intimacy with somebody is a boundary. Uh, Treating my marriage as if it's the primary relationship because it is in my life and not allowing anyone else to get close to that is a boundary. Me not sharing too much personal info here on this podcast is an emotional boundary, right? It's, it's valid and important to take into account, right? So um, somebody just started up a machine. So I'm going to take this moment to take a break and wait for them to stop doing that. This episode is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. Inspired by actual events, the series tells the story of Truman Capote and the women he betrayed. The original housewives, they were society's most elite women. Rich, glamorous socialites who defined a bygone era of high society New York. From creator Ryan Murphy, this drama series features an all-star cast, including Naomi Watts, Demi Moore, and Diane Lane. FX's Feud premieres January 31st on FX Stream on Hulu. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. So I don't think this episode needs to go on that much longer. I think that's it's just an introduction or, or a, a way for you to start thinking about where the emotional boundaries lie in your life or if they, if they, they have somewhere that they exist at all. Um, you know, I was starting to use that analogy of the house, right, of you invite certain people into certain areas of your house you maybe invite certain friends into the living room, but you don't invite them into the bedroom because the bedroom is the space for you or the space for you and your partner. Uh, you may invite them into the kitchen at certain points. Like there is a separation again, like between yourself and your kids uh, where they have their own space or they're starting to develop their own space. If that's possible uh, given your situation. And then recognizing that no this is our private space now you don't get to just barge into the bedroom you have to knock um you and then by proxy like we also knock when we are entering your bedroom like there is a separation there is a um emotional boundary right and then there's like this interesting big picture aspect of emotional boundaries also where it's becoming sort of the, the, the popular thing, myself included, to be airing out our emotional laundry publicly. Uh, I've done it here on this podcast for over 500 episodes. And instead of getting a coach or instead of getting a therapist. So I want to move this podcast towards supporting self-coaching and being smarter about that and perhaps tying that to some, some business aspects. But the this is not to negate the need for therapy or working with a coach or working with an analyst or something like that. Right. Uh, I started working with a friend of mine who's a young gain analyst and, and she's fantastic. So 
self-coaching is really the reference point between these things, between therapy, between, um, between these meetings with other people, we are spending a hundred percent of our time with ourselves. So being aware of where these, these ideas lie within ourselves is, is important to carry with us as principles as we go through life. So there's this aspect of emotional boundaries relative to how we communicate openly and publicly. I had started hosting this mental wellness open mic night. And through this process, I had been discovering like, what is it that I actually want to support and change and shift? And I think one of the things is like this trauma dumping idea and catharsisism, right? There was this movie called Late Night that came out a few years ago that was about this late night host that um, was hiring interns and she was difficult to deal with. It's sort of a Devil Wears Prada kind of situation, like an ETJ in terms of Myers-Briggs type of character who is is very harsh and knows what she wants, but also has high expectations and, and all of this stuff. And towards the end of the movie, she ends up having this conversation with the intern character who is the sort of main, uh, other main character. And she mentioned like, you and your generation, referring to millennials, really love this catharsisism. You really love just being able to offload your emotions to somebody. <laughs> um, and th- that's not verbatim, but it's like kind of that idea of like, I've noticed that too, is like, there's this desire to offload our emotions versus processing them versus uh, alchemizing them within our experience. And that's the difference is that if we are desiring to always offload our emotions so that someone else can take them or someone else can take the blame or someone else can like this feeling that someone else can feel them for us, that of course we wouldn't have boundaries because we want to be able to infect anyone around us. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I say that playfully, but it may very be a serious challenge that we are overly displaying our wounds to the public and therefore not allowing for time and space to alchemize within our experience. What that kind of means is, is it's sort of like putting a quiche in the oven and you keep opening the lid and you keep opening the the door and it's not cooking because it's not sitting in the oven. You're not letting it be in the oven (laughs) to actually render and process. And, uh, that's the alchemizing I'm talking about. So it's sort of the shift into this borderless boundaryless emotional boundaries space into this alchemizing of emotional experiences. And that's where the help of a therapist and a help of some sort of support may come in because we have all sorts of tendencies that keep us from emotionally alchemizing. And we may not have tools or skills to be able to process those emotions Uh, Many people Molly and I come across are people who are, uh, who stop themselves from being creative because they feel like they don't have a creative bone in their body. And that's, that couldn't be further from the truth. Creativity is unique to personalities and we may have overly assigned in our mind, a certain personality type as being creative or not being creative. And that disqualifies us from being creative. And I think creativity is ultimately the result of this alchemizing of our emotional experience, or at least it's one of the ways, right? 
Like art in and of itself is not therapy. Art doesn't always have to be about heavy emotions. Art doesn't always have to be about deep expression. But if you are finding a way to alchemize your creativity, your emotional experience into some sort of creativity, whether that's neurotic writing or that's some sort of freehand ugly art practice, Molly teaches that, or some sort of um, emotional process and release kind of um, uh, uh, practice, you know, there's emotional tapping is one of the things. There's uh, emotional freedom techniques. That's something you can look into if you've never heard of that. Uh, ways to process and release certain emotions. So some of it could sometimes just be uh, self-talk, gentle, gentler self-talk to calm the nerves and process something through. So creativity is one channel to get the stuff out. Um, and it certainly helps. Now, the other challenge too, like I said, with artists is like, or someone who is trying to use art as a way to process is that we can get very much attached to like perfectionism. We can get attached to this feeling of um, needing to have it look good or final results. Again, we're trying to make it for another person. And that's not the goal here. The goal is to get into a flow or rhythm or just process something or just get it out. And then maybe you can analyze it for yourself if you have the tools to do that or have someone else look at it and interpret it for you, where it's really just about putting on music and just like getting into the, the rawness of doing something that's maybe different than you've done before and uh, express yourself in your raw human creativity, right? It doesn't have to be visual. It could be like drumming. It could be making music. It could be hitting something. Um, you know, it's alchemizing and then creating, right? So again, creativity is not this limit of, a product creativity is is fusing it's alchemizing it's creating taking a thought process or a feeling process and putting it into something imbuing it into an object or imbuing it into a guitar through sound uh you know and uh making this podcast is a creative process for me to like alchemize my thought process again it doesn't have to be overly emotional it's just alchemizing the thoughts and putting it together into something that can be captured. In this case, the emotional boundaries for this podcast is the difference in not just showing up and catharsizing, like I like I was saying before, and creating this situation where I'm just talking at you, but it's like, what can you take from this that actually brings something to your life and supports you in a little bit more of a professional level, even though I'm not a therapist, I'm not a Jungian analyst, I'm not anything that has a degree related to mental health, but I am someone who has had personal experience with self-coaching and someone who is a creator and somebody who is pretty in tuned with creativity. And then my wife is also someone who brings a lot of creativity to the table. So uh, she also helps people process through this kind of stuff. You can follow her at the Darling Revolution on Instagram. Is probably the best place to follow her. And she also has a Substack. Um, it's behind the studio door.substack.com, I believe. Uh, I should know that for sure, <laughs> but I don't. That's okay. So, emotional boundaries is really discovering like what are the feeling processes for you? What are the relationships that are for you? How are you honoring and devoting yourself to your relationships and your own personal unique process, right? And then maybe listening to some of the ways that you're potentially trying to offload 
some of your feelings to someone else on a regular basis or distracting yourself from feeling what you need to feel right and it's not it's not overly indulging in the feelings either it's just um it's just being with them in a healthy amount of time like much of the time something like grief for example grief can really only be felt like eight minutes at a time i think was the the last sort of measurement i saw so it's like you don't need to sit in it and treat yourself like a problem to be solved. Like you don't need to just like panic. And I, and I do that. I definitely go down research rabbit holes and I'm trying to like uncover, you know, what's wrong with me? What's the thing? How do I go forward? And uh, I, I don't think anyone needs to necessarily treat themselves as that kind of a panic, um, but do it in small bursts, you know, self-coaching, self-growth is, is a, a little bit like exercising or eating or sleeping or breathing or intimate connections with, with friends and partners and people in your life. These are all little things that are just daily practices that uh, we tend to, you know, like the garden of our lives in a way. So I think it's a beautiful thing to have emotional boundaries. You need fencing for something to, uh, to, to grow in the way that you need it to grow not just wildly and not for anyone to be able to come in and take or um, whether you want them to or not. <laughs> um, and, you know, emotional boundaries is also helpful for getting out of any kind of toxic relationships. Someone who is perpetually in uh, sort of a toxic mode um, to, to, you know, block them on social media or have these different layers of, of inner and outer circles, so to speak, uh, that allow for the proper flow of intimacy in our lives. And I think you'll find that if you apply emotional boundaries to yourself, and I'm working on this right now too, that you'll find greater focus. It's helping me find greater focus with this podcast. It's like suddenly the path is a little clearer of like, oh, I probably shouldn't be sharing every little thing publicly. I've started journaling privately. Uh, I've, I've been actually self-coaching with chat GPT, which I'm probably going to talk about on a future episode and uh, having conversations that are not necessarily about getting feedback or someone feeling bad for me or whatever other secondary emotions or secondary hits that we might get from sharing something publicly. Right. Uh, I know for me, sometimes I feel like if I share something publicly, someone's just going to feel bad and throw money at me or take care of me <laughs> or something like that. But that's no, I have challenges, but it's no replacement for needing to be responsible for my own life because ultimately it's mine. And uh, that's the first step in emotional intimacy is, is emotional intimacy with myself. And uh, I, I would argue that's the same case for everybody. It's like, what is emotionally intimate for you versus what is publicly shareable and important to uh, to others to support them, right? And I, I don't think I would be as potent or helpful on this podcast if I didn't have emotional boundaries. It's like I alchemize, I do the work internally, I do some writing, I do some thought process, I do some self-diagnosing in some ways and self-coaching. And then I share some of the tools with you, which is ultimately what this is about. And then you can take that, use it for yourself, and um, ultimately try to lead to your own happiness, 
you know, and that's ultimately what I think I'm trying to do with the path forward here with this podcast is I want to alchemize and support happiness as a continual nurturing process of, of joy, of processing that leads to joy, right? Including processing sadness and grief and challenging emotions to release into joy, not try to like force feed happiness into our lives or to treat happiness like an end state. Happiness is definitely not an end state. It is a continual process of, of self-regulating, of self-processing, of self-love, of community care, of really having these different levels of, of intimacy, of emotional boundaries, and the ability to um, uh, self-nurture, you know, to, to get resourced and get our needs met, to notice when I'm not at my best because I need to drink water. I'm not at my best because I need better sleep. I'm not at my best because I am, I haven't had connections with my partner effectively. Like it's just this constant and frankly, pretty mundane fine tuning process that leads into more happiness opportunities as we navigate life every single day in every single moment all the flip in time. So let me know what you think of this idea of emotional boundaries. Where does it fit for you in your life? You can hit me up at let's go see note on all the social channels. Uh, I also have a link tree, which is connected to this podcast link tree uh, slash C note studio. Where I have links to stuff there. It's also here on the podcast. You'll probably see it in the show notes as well. I don't have any official offerings right now. Um, I've got Udemy courses, which I'll put in the description as well. There's one course in particular that I think is really interesting called the three, the wisdom of the three centers. It's a mini course that's, that's asking a bunch of prompts and questions of our mind for our mind and um, of our mind and uh, uh, to better understand where our head, heart and gut are like what they're doing for us and how that's supporting us on our day-to-day life and how we can start self-coaching through that. So if there's anything that I think is the starting line for all of this, it's probably that course. So I will link that in the description below. All of that said, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode and, uh, Oh, what will also be helpful is as I get this thing going, ratings and reviews will be really great. I'd love to know If this is clicking with you, if something made sense to you, you can leave a comment wherever you've heard this or go on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a rating and review. Please do it. Please take a few moments to do that. That really helps amplify the podcast and it also gives me feedback to fine tune what I'm doing right and what I could be doing better. So I appreciate you for that. So uh, have a good time. Enjoy yourself. I hope you get a chance to self-regulate and take care of yourself today and, uh, Yeah, take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll catch you next time on Happy Chemicals. See ya. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. 
Plan your family trip at aruba.com.